We all know that song and the indelible mark it's made on our culture. I'm acclaimed public radio personality Glenn Irons, host of the recent This American Tragedy segment, There Are Wars Happening All Over the Place and There's Nothing You Can Do About It. I'm also the host of the Noontime Artist Spotlight. This noon, we'll be speaking to Linda Swinton, Charlie McGee Topolsky, composer of perhaps the most famous 12-second song of the 20th century, and her thoughts on its benefactor, the late Mustache Charlie. That's today at noon on SVFM. Are you sure we aren't maybe burying the lead on that one? This is the Sarcastic Voyage Podcast. Episode 164, featuring the Sarcastic Voyage unpaid voice acting players. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. You have to, you have to, uh, you have to hang a sprig of uh, parsley over your door to keep raffies out. So your parents took the sprig down. They figuring, took the sprig uh, down. Well, you know, they welcomed the raffies in. Mm-hmm. And now, is, it, is it like a vampire where you have to invite him in, or just is the no, no? He enough? can get in if the sprig of parsley is gone. Ah, I see. Does it? And if there are children or? in your in your home, does he just not like garnish? Yeah. Because I mean, I don't either, but I don't know that I. Well, I never saw house. the point of it. You know, like. No. Here, here's a sprig of plant that you can't eat. We grow this plant and we buy it specifically just for the decorative. Like, it's not like we don't have 50 other green vegetables we could put in its uh-huh. place that you could then eat. Oh, how 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 nice. There's a piece of broccoli here. <laughs> nope. Can't have broccoli. That's edible. Gotta have parsley. Of course, Where? I feel the same way about coleslaw. Do you not eat coleslaw? Does anyone eat coleslaw? I eat coleslaw. Really? Yeah. Okay, this is even more fascinating than the Raffi thing. I don't know anyone who eats coleslaw. I mean, I guess I do now. Yeah, you know at least one person who eats coleslaw. That is bizarre. I like coleslaw. Now, you, you put it in your mouth, right? We're talking about eating. Yeah, no, you actually eat it. You're not, like, rubbing it on your face or something. You, you chew it or and Or, indeed, it. using it to keep children's uh, folk songs singers out of your house. No, don't be silly. That keeps everybody out of your house. Coleslaw? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you leave it in the fridge long enough, yeah. I, but is it doesn't... So many questions. Most of it is ew. The Radio Adventures of Matt and Algar, starring Matt Robotham and Ron Algar-Watt as themselves. Today's episode, Inscrutable Danger. You want to come on an adventure with us? Mr. Al, do you mean it? Sure do. Now, everyone climb into a teleport chamber. Just adjust the settings like so, and... No, no, seriously, where are we going? Well, you'll find out in just a second. We went all the way to... So, Matt and Algar, welcome to the mysterious East. Well, now who the hell Silence. Silence? That doesn't bode well. The only people who say silence like that are evil overlords. What? No, no, I just have a headache. There, you see? This guy's on the up and up. He's our robot expert. We call him the Extra Celestial. How's tricks, EC? I still don't trust him. I mean, look at him. Don't be such a coward. Mr. Matt's not a coward, and boy, are we whispering. Because uh, our guy has a headache. Why are you whispering? We have no secrets here in the Mysterious East. Oh, yeah? And why do you call it the Mysterious East, then? And why did you say silence? Silence. I don't trust this guy. 
This is our robot factory. Horses! Look at all the metal men! They are robots. We make the robots here. Toot, toot. Toot, toot. Of course. What would you expect a robot to say? What exactly do you make these robots for anyway? It's funny you should ask that. Yeah, it's a real riot. Knock it off. It is an interesting question, though, and it leads us to... These robots are for sale. Anyone who wants to buy them for... Whatever purpose may be... Who needs a robot apart from people trying to cause trouble? We do not pass moral judgment here. We just sell a fine product. And we provide technical support for the product as well. What's technical support? It's a very lucrative business here in the mysterious East. Al, why are you winking at that camera? Oh, sorry. I thought I saw somebody I knew in that group of tourists. Can we please just ask this person what we came here to ask him so we can get out of here? Uh-huh. You see, what do you make of this? Is this one of yours? Dottie, hand me the robot. Oh. Where's Dottie? Ah, well, I'm sure she'll turn up. Look, a knapsack. Here's our fella. Tabulating. Uh-huh. So, do you make these here? Tabulating. Hold the line, please. Ah, yes, yes, yes. We do make these here. Come, come, come. I'll show you where we manufacture them. That's really not, We, uh, we just wanted to know you it. You go that way. I'll be right back. I think you may have misunderstood the question. Uh, of course he did. You can't trust these. Seriously, you're embarrassing. What, in front of the other half-built robots? Where did your extra-oriental... Celestial... Whatever. Where did he even go? You seem to have failed in your mission, my little friend. Tabulating. Tabulate all you like, but I can save you the time. You were supposed to kill Matt and Alga, and you did not. Horses. Mr. Matt was right. This guy's up to no good. I better keep following him. That looks like the Colonel. But it can't be. Trouble on the factory floor, old bean. I'm afraid not, Colonel. That's him, all right. This robot that we sent to blow up their Zeppelin failed. It's a blimp. Wait, no, I think it's a Zeppelin. Jeepers, I don't even remember now. Oh, the rotten thing didn't even explode. Tabulating. Oh, it did, it did. But they escaped, defeated the robot, and then came here. Tabulating. Will you switch that bloody thing off? Thank you. Well, my inscrutable compadre, it's a good thing they've come to a place that's teeming with the things. We can finish the job. Oh, no. I gotta warn Mr. Matt and Mr. Al. Listen, I told you. I took fight training from these people. These people? Yes, these people that we're talking about. And I don't trust them. They just seem too wily. How did I get mixed up with such a cow... Oh, hi, Dottie. I knew we didn't need to worry about you. It's those robots you gotta worry about, Mr. Al. They're all about to army together and... See? Do you see? Mr. Al, before you two get us out of this, and I know you will, can you tell me something? If it's how we're going to get us out of this. Yeah, kid, we appreciate your faith in us, but I'm not sure we can do that. Why do you keep calling Mr. Matt a coward? Oh, that. I don't mean it in the sense of being scared of something. I mean it in the sense of him hating people for being different. But of course he's Mr. Al. Everyone is different. If you hate everyone, doesn't that make you a missing... I believe the word you are looking for is misanthropy. It's the hatred of all humans. 
which my robots are programmed to have. So, goodbye, Matt and Algar. I told you! No, Mr. Matt, he's working for... The Colonel. Colonel, down here! Uh, sir, we could use a bit of saving right now if it's not too much trouble. He's... he's just walking away. Colonel? That Colonel? Our boss of 12 years? That doesn't seem right at all. I sure can't wait to see how you're going to rescue us. Me too. Is that a robot with a jetpack? We haven't ridden jetpacks in weeks. I miss jetpacks. I'm pretty sure we're better than this thing. Now who's the cow? Human brain inside. Ugh. You must come with me. We have to catch your colonel before he escapes. Climb on. All three of us? I had only planned on bringing the two of you, but yes, if the child must come too, I suppose so. Now, climb on as best you can. Where are we going to jetpacking into here? What makes you think you'd be any better getting us out? I guess that big human brain is what makes him think it, Mr. Matt. <laughs> It's the Colonel! You can let us down now! Well, I can try. Well, there's an old pilot saying, any crash you can walk away from is a good one. Seeing as we walked away from about two crashes today, I'd beg to differ. There he goes! He's running for the teleportation chamber. After him! Looks like he headed back to HQ. Come on, guys. Good time, <laughs> <laughs> He's running back out to the gantries. I gotta admit, this beats chasing a metal man. Yeah, he's a bit of a coward. He's headed for that Zeppelin, or blimp, possibly. Wait, there was another one of those up here? Not anymore, there isn't. Boy, he's really taking off in that thing. Come on, guys, there's a biplane here I think we can all squeeze into. Let's go. Fly one of these things? Fly? Yes. Land? Also, yes. I would have to fly. Now I see why you don't like kids. You don't like competition for your own company. You're not tired or hungry, are you, Dottie? No, sir. We're on an adventure. I'm focused on the mission. Atta girl. Just flying into those dark clouds. You sure you want to, uh... Not entirely sure, but we're in this for the long haul now. Sheesh. Big girl. Looks like the colonel just got hit by lightning. Going down. Roger. And now it looks like we've also been hit by lightning. Can you fix it? Of course I can fix it. Hold on, then. I'm going to bring us into that patch of jungle there. This is great. I think I'm going to soil myself. Do I even want to know what that would entail? <sighs> okay, I'll just set her down by this... Brontosaurus. Jeepers! Tune in again for our next exciting installment, Prisoners of Science, only on the Sarcastic Voyage podcast.
sarcastic voyage is embarked on a modest undertaking to chronicle the entirety of human history in sketch form. Join us as we uncover the mysteries of the past in our ongoing feature which we call History. It's not as good as it used to be. In September of 1939, tensions were mounting between Germany's National Socialist Party and its neighbors. The combined forces of Germany and their then-allies, the Soviet Union, cast their hungry gaze toward Poland. The subsequent invasion would retrospectively be marked as the start of the Second World War. Full speed ahead. We'll catch these Germans yet. Aye, sir. Full speed ahead. Well, Seaman, it looks like you have everything under control here. I'll be on the back porch. You definitely deserve the rest, sir. It's a bit dark out here. Let me just get my solar-powered flashlight. There we are. I'll just... Uh, oh, it's one of those crafty U-boats. I better take off my glow-in-the-dark sunglasses before they see me. Sound the alert! U-boat off the port! I think you mean starboard, sir. Good call, Seaman. I almost always mean the opposite of what I say the first time. Sir, why do the Germans want to destroy us? It's not just us, son. It's our very way of life. The Germans are just jealous of all the advances we brought back from our secret mission to the sun. I didn't know we did that. Of course you didn't. It was a secret. How did we... Of course, we, we went, went at, at night. night. Yes, exactly. And that's why we have the fireproof match, the glass hammer, and of course, the old screen door. Where would we be without it? Nowhere we could get any whittling done, that is for sure. Looks like they're about to overtake us, sir. Tell them in below to fire up the wood fireplace. Aye, sir. And put on the chocolate teapot. It's going to be a long night. These Poles are substantially more clever than we were led to believe. Yeah, I thought that the Navy was supposed to be pathetic. I heard that they had glass bottom boats so they could see the last Polish Navy. I heard Polish burglars knock first. I heard... Ah! Herr Krumen. German Chief Petty Officer in charge. Remind me to contact Herr Goebbels when we return victorious to the Mazala. It is clear to me that we must start a vicious propaganda campaign to convince the world that these people are not clever. If word got out that the Reich could not defeat them... Jawohl. I will get started immediately. Sir, what is the difference between a smart Polish person and a unicorn? I don't know, Krumen. What is the difference between a smart Polish person and a unicorn? Nothing. Is that it? Yeah. Then it's work. What was that? It appears to be a grenade with the pin still in it. That just raises even more questions. Man, I gotta say, I'm not usually a party kind of guy, but this is actually a pretty decent little gathering. The part I've ever been to. The best. Well, I mean, I wouldn't go that... Hey, what do you have there? Is that a little sandwich? That looks tasty. Dude, tasty doesn't do to describe it. This sandwich is epic. I don't think... Literally. Epic. I'm not sure you understand what either of those words mean. I'm telling you, man. I know exactly what they mean. And this sandwich is absolutely that. Ep motherfucking ick. It's just... 
I'm a high school English teacher, and I hear students using those words all the time. They're a bit hyperbolic, if you ask me. Bro, go to the kitchen and get one yourself. This is the most epic sandwich I've ever had. Fine. I'm quite hungry and really not interested in getting into a pedantic argument over misused words. Armies of Fenshire, advance! It has been twelve long years since I have laid eyes upon my home. With this sandwich, I can free my oppressed people, restore balance to the natural order of things, and return home to my wife. I'll just uh, grab a piece of this. Anyway, Gravy G. Gravy G has tagged a number of buildings, overpasses, just all the all the usual spots that people will uh, will tag with graffiti. Okay. And it's the, the typical like old school hip hop, like on a New York train, sort of stylized. You know what I'm talking about? Like that kind of font. Yeah, yeah. He's not a he's not a great artist, but he's he's not just you know painting El Barto. Like, he puts a little thought into it. Mm-hmm. Um, one particularly impressive one near my house is uh, an overpass that you can only get to from sort of a little it's a lake or a river, but a, he basically would either have to hang upside down from the bridge or stand on top of a boat. Okay. And it, it's tagged real big, Gravy G. Now, this is all within a three or four mile radius of my house. It's all over the place, and yeah, it's just okay. That's stupid. The guy, we got a little laugh because he's called Gravy G, <laughs> which is the worst commando name ever. That's pretty bad. Yeah, representing the beef stock, yo. A <laughs> little bit of flour in that shit. Yo, this is my sidekick, Lil Bullion. <laughs> but yeah, that's right. The the best thing is that his catchphrase. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. I think you could do better, Lil Bullion Cube. Nope. Keep at it. That's a great catchphrase. One day you'll be a big gravy G like me. Yeah, that's right. Not with that attitude, you won't. Uh, the, <laughs> the coolest thing. Are you enjoying your imagined dialogue between gravy G and? I think I am actually. Very well. the The best part is as we explore. Like we've only lived here for a year and a half, so we're it's kind of a new part of town still. I mean, we right. we, we know our way around now, but it was new for us for a while. As we make it around, we see Gravy G sort of spreading out, like gradually spiraling out. Uh-huh. Uh, so now we see it downtown, which is a good 10 miles from our house. We see it close to Amanda's work, which is more like 20 miles from our house. And it's almost like hometown pride. Wait. It's like, there's our there's our dude. There's our guy, Gravy hey, G. Hey, there's Gravy G. It's like, because we don't follow sports. Who gives a fuck? But right. It's like, yay, there's our team. There's Gravy G. And I'm, I don't know, kind of proud of the guy. Go, Gravy G. I, I don't know why. Way to spray on parts of this city. Yep. It's it's called tagging, Matt. I, I know. Where, where have you been? It's called spraying. No. You know, it's like how cats mark their territory. I thought that was presenting. It can be both. You can present and spray. That seems impressive. It also seems like German porn. Uh, that is true. It is both of those things. I, I also think coleslaw is probably involved in German porn, because listen to it. Der coleslaw. See? It, well, it is a German dish. Is it? 
I think so, yeah. I don't know, it's got cabbage. That, that's got the stink of the Irish all over it. I mean, you know, the Irish have access to it. They can have their own coleslaw. Uh, except... You don't just have to be from one country to enjoy coleslaw. I think you must be, f like, you have to be from Canada because nobody I know likes it. That's so weird. I mean, we're, you know, we're going to get a, a letter that's saying I like coleslaw. This is like when I insulted the uh, the left-handers. I might want to mm -hmm. shut up now. <laughs> Dear Al, I like coleslaw. Signed, Cole Porter. God damn it. Is he even alive? I don't think he is. is okay. Which makes this all very worrying. Well, then, is Raffi still alive? Raffi is still alive, because we've talked about nothing can nothing can kill Raffi. I bet coleslaw could. No. I think coleslaw can kill anyone. It's no, kill parsley could... That, that was our point. Parsley can can kill him. Coleslaw can't kill anyone. But coleslaw. It empowers you. Mom, I finished my dinner. May I be excused? You sure can, sweetie. Is all your homework done? Yes, it's done. I guess I'll go watch TV now. Aren't you going to go play detective? I thought you and your pal, the ghost of... Oh, jeez. What was it again? The ghost of former President Warren G. Harding. Right. I thought you liked solving mysteries with him every chance you got. Oh, I did. I loved it. We were the best gumshoes you could get for five bucks. But he's gone away. Oh, honey, what happened? I don't know. I woke up one day and he just wasn't there. And where he used to be? Former President Calvin Coolidge. Well, welcome to our home, Mr. President. I say, it's an honor to have you in our home, sir. Can he hear me? He sure can. He just doesn't say much. For a while, I thought it might be some kind of a trick. Like he was the ghost of a Calvin Coolidge impersonator who couldn't do the voice very well. But then I asked him about laissez-faire les government. Right, that. But that's pretty much all. I don't think I can solve a lot of mysteries with that. Well, let me get my purse, honey, and the two of you can investigate the case of the 1924 farm subsidies. Don't patronize me, Mom. <laughs> ah! Don't sass your mother. You can't do that. He can't do that, can he, Mom? Apparently he can. And let's be honest, sweetie, you did have that coming. <sighs> It's going to be a long six years before I get to hang out with the ghosts of Herbert Hoover. <sighs> that guy. Good noon to you. I'm acclaimed public radio personality Glenn Irons. First of all, we'd like to apologize up front for this impromptu This American Tragedy episode. To those of you who are expecting a noontime artist spotlight, focusing on the inevitable return of soft jazz to the mainstream, please tune in tomorrow for that. It's delightful. Today, however, we'd like to present you with the sad tale of restauranteur and entrepreneur Mustache Charlie, found dead last week in his children's-themed restaurant, Mustache Charlie's Cartoon Mouse-Stache. Apparently, as Mr. Charlie was putting up Halloween decor in the restaurant, he slipped and fell into a decorative noose and inadvertently hung himself. Is it hung? Hanged? Hanged. Delightful. Several witnesses, security footage, and a coroner's report confirmed that, however unlikely it was, the incident was indeed an accident and not a suicide. This American tragedy looks back on the life of this compelling, but indeed tragic American figure. Because that's what we do. My pop was born in Centralia, Pennsylvania in 1949. My grandfather. How to even begin? 
Grandpa Charlie was, well, when he was a boy, he liked to play movie melodrama by tying himself to the railroad tracks and just waiting. They hadn't invented depression or suicide in the thirties and forties, so he was obviously fine. Dad seemed completely oblivious. He loved the old man to pieces, and one of the proudest moments of his life was the day his father actually addressed him by his first name. Oh, and he wasn't joking. Pop literally had no sense of irony whatsoever. It was kind of sweet sometimes. Usually, it wasn't though. The Environmental Protection Agency has been investigating an incident that occurred in 1962. Mr. Charlie was 13 years old that summer, and he had a job disposing of waste at the Centralia dump. We have never been able to produce conclusive evidence that Mr. Charlie was responsible for a rather large fire beneath Centralia, which our reports claim. <clears throat> Will consume the town in a cleansing hellfire for the next two and a half centuries. But the landfill records indicate that his end of shift log for that day simply reads, "Whoops." Not long after the fire started, Grandpa Charlie took every bit of the family's considerable assets out in cash and literally tossed them into the flames. Then he tried to jump in after it, but he got caught on a tree branch. That somehow had not yet been consumed by the cleansing hellfire. Authorities were baffled. There was no possible thing they knew of that could cause a man to act this way. He was probably just tired. They said. Tom Charlie came to work for us at Benefevolent Insurance after we were unable to help recover the money he lost in the pit of cleansing hellfire beneath Centralia. Something really appealed to him in our everyday dealings with human mortality. He was actually quite an asset to us in the life insurance game, as he provided us with a number of rather unconventional causes of death, for which, of course, we could then refuse to cover. You know that man must have saved us millions in his time with us. Dad always said that Grandpa Tom died of. How did he put it? A freak, one in a million carbon monoxide accident in our garage. That pretty much sums up Dad right there. Mustache and I met at his daddy's funeral. I was snatching fresh flowers to sell to suckers at stoplights. He said I looked real pretty holding them black roses. Something about him, the way he just never stopped smiling. He was just happy all the time, no matter what happened. So the next day he got called up to Vietnam. He asked me to marry him. I'm not sure why I said yes. Probably because I heard he came for money, and he probably wasn't coming back from the war. That's what the guy I was doing all at the time told me to do anyway. Dad didn't do so great in the war. I mean, his last name is Charlie. They tend to address you by last name in the military. Still, as he would say, it was just friendly fire. You can't stay mad at something called friendly. So somehow he made it back from the war. And he didn't have no money. I was on my way out the door when he told me about this idea he had to open a family restaurant. So he asks me, all sincere like, would I make a jingle for the commercial? I figured, hey, if I do something nice for this guy, a jury's gonna decide in my favor and maybe get me some alimony out of the deal. I still have the recording too. Okay, let's try this. 
Mustache Charlie, one, two, three. Mustache Charlie, ABC. That's terrible, even for me. Mustache Charlie, XYZ. What the hell was that? Mustache Charlie, Mr. T. Yeah, no. Mustache Charlie, four, five, six. Good enough. Mr. Charlie came to us to advise him financially. Being a war hero and all. And already having that kick-ass jingle. Right, that jingle, man. People were ready to write checks based on that jingle alone. Anyway, it was a surefire thing as far as we were concerned. We, uh, usually think things are surefire. We're usually wrong. Yeah, but speaking of fires, in 1981, that mine fire... <sighs> well, it kind of came to a head. Kid fell through a hole in his backyard into the cleansing hellfire below. You might have read about that in Time magazine. No, seriously, look it up. Anyway, so the same thing ended up happening to the restaurant a couple of weeks later. Mr. Charlie just shrugged it off. He said in that way he had that there was no such thing as bad publicity. That all the media attention might bring people to what was left of the place. I think that the earth opening up and consuming his business in a cleansing hellfire might actually qualify as bad publicity. But old MC, he wasn't hearing any of that. <sighs> we spent over 30 years steering him in directions like that. Our lives are hollow lies. Should have been us in that noose. I wish I could say that the ground opening up under the restaurant consuming everything in a cleansing hellfire was the only thing to happen to Dad. Or even the worst thing. Somehow, though, he kept bouncing back. Now, for all he did to help Benefevlin create insurance loopholes, he also managed to exploit a huge one that was still in the books. The upshot of all this was Mustache Charlie was covered by an all-inclusive perpetuity policy. <laughs> he even tried to cut a commercial for us once before he closed that particular loophole. Oh, excuse me. But he managed to use his clout at Benefevolent to grandfather me in on a little-known perpetuity policy. That means that no matter how many times I've needed them over the years, disasters, fires, floods, and killer bees, radon gas, that piece of Skylab that crashed into the restaurant, buffalo stampedes, the intern we hired that turned out to be a Soviet saboteur, the time that someone actually drove through the drive through window, and more than a few science experiments got awry. The phrase gone awry seems to crop up a lot around these parts. One of my cooks suggested that we take advantage of this by introducing some kind of awry bread sandwich. That joke in itself was kind of a disaster, if you ask me. Yeah, so this guy was on my Mysteries the Unexplained show after a particularly weird incident at his rebuilt rest. Oh my god, Irons, is this for your stupid show? You were put up to this by the Gay Jewish Communist Alliance, weren't you? I just got my brain chip upgraded from a 486 to a Pendium, so you watch your back! And back your watch! I am absolutely fascinated by this. Well, some folks call them zombies, but that Miss Cleo lady told me that you need voodoo to make a proper zombie. What? No, we got lots of zombies on this show. I'm pretty sure my call screener is some manner of undead or meaty ghost or something. I'm looking over your menu here, and I'm wondering how many possible ways you can serve corn. I count at least 13 dishes containing corn or corn-like products. Oh, Dad, we built the place on an ancient Indian burial farm. There's just always corn, somehow. You know, the Indians called it famous. I know damn well what the Indians called it! Well, Mustache had a lot of famous friends, including many of us in the Bush administration. That's the first Bush administration. We helped him open his restaurant in 91 when Benefevolent created a new loophole to close the other loophole. People say we should regulate the insurance industry, but examples like this prove that the market can take care of itself. Anywho, he wrote speeches for Vice President Quayle, including the Murphy-Brown thing, which some people believe cost us the election. 
Maybe it did. But he campaigned for my boy W in 2000, and he put this great nation of ours back on course. <coughs> We're done now, right? Christ. Mr. Charlie came to see me one day in 1995 to ask for a loan. I had to turn him down. I've been told that this, as they say, was his rock bottom. I guess I should feel bad about that. I kind of don't. Things were pretty bad for him. But then, something really strange happened in the mid-90s. Somehow, pop culture found Dad. It was this weird, ironic thing. First there was that song. Ironic? Nah, it's not ironic, innit? It's, uh, I stand by every lyric in that song, you know? It's, it's, it's from the heart, you know, that is. It's about feelings. Feelings in my heart. So, somehow, beyond all rationality, Mustache Charlie was back. How many times have we said almost that exact phrase over the years? Twenty-two. But yeah, Generation X rallied around him for whatever reason. He had his fingers in a lot of pies that year. We got the restaurant up and rolling again. And then there was the So TV I turned show. on the TV one day and there was freaking mustache cooking on TV. I was producing for SVN at the time and I signed him for 26 episodes. I don't know. He seemed like a good guy to put on TV. What do I know? Chef Charlie, my souffle collapsed. Please don't. Oh, that happens all the time. We just started selling them like that at the restaurant. Throw some icing on there, make a little mouse out of fondant, and it's the Flato Mouse Cake. Now, let's see what you got going on over here. Yeah, so, uh, I made some macaroni and cheese. From scratch? No, it's from a box. Did you do anything special with it? I did. Actually, I put in some chopped hot dogs. Oh, give this man a restaurant! What? Waste a show budget? But I'm the celebrity judge. Oh God, what did I do? It burns, it burns! Keep running, that's good hustle. Then things went south again. As they inevitably did. There's this whole World Trade Center thing. Yeah, we keep trying to talk about that, but it's too soon. Probably be in poor taste. Made the rest of the decade pretty rough though. Among other things. So many other things. And then, as it must to all men, death came to Mustache Charlie. What? What was that? I don't know, I just saw Citizen Kane on TV last night. Shut up. My dad. What's left to say? I personally think they should rip the story of Job out of the Old Testament and replace it with my dad's life story. The man knew how to persevere. But then, as it must to all men, death came to him. Sorry. I just saw Citizen Kane last night. Great movie. I'll miss Dad, I guess. I did love the man, but it's hard to be sad considering that I've had the we have some bad news conversation probably 200 times over the last 30 years. Mustache Charlie, dead of an accidental broken neck by noose at age 64. Wasn't that a delightful piece? Coming up next on SVFM, our delightfully witty game show... Hang on, I think I read that in the New Yorker. Now we're going to take you out with a classical arrangement of that famous jingle.
What race is this? You're not allowed to ask that question. Don't make me call Ukla. I can't believe you played the Rass card. All I got was a draw four. What's a draw four? I don't know, friend. What's a draw four with you? Did you say play the race car? No, the car is playing that. I heard that race car is a palindrome. What? Palindrome. Oh, okay. Now who's playing the race car? You know, Raskar is the same farhards as backwards. What a Eureka! I think I centrifugulated my farce. You don't look like a Jedi to me. Don't be a racist! Okay, so that's our show. We'd like to thank uh, Inky, Pinky, Larry, Ferdy, Dewey, Clyde, Sue, Mo, and whatever that girl that uh, Woody Woodpecker's niece was. Yes, uh, uh, Knothead and Splinter, whichever one was her, probably Knothead. I can't believe you remember that. I, we looked this up. We did a whole bit that never made it on the show because it was basically just us reading Wikipedia. Which, as we've established, is not a good way to make a podcast. No, listen, we can sit here and just read off uh, King of the Hill characters all day, but <laughs> I draw the line at reading off other cartoon characters. That's when I start slicing and editing. Oh, yeah. No, it's just King of the Hill characters. Yes, and why that's funny, I will never know. King of the Hill characters like Khan, Min, Boomhauer, Peggy. I just, I don't know, like, there's a couple of things that bring you and I together, and one of them is our love of naming King of the Hill characters. <laughs> hey, hey, Matt, so we got a letter. Oh, did we? Yes. We got why don't you read that letter, Al? Long-time listener and correspondent Mike X. Ah. He says, hey, okay, I love how this starts. Hey, Alan, Matt. Hi. That's, that's us. That's, uh, no, th this part is even better. Okay. You guys just keep getting funnier. Okay, wow. I, sh I should just stop it there. We, yeah, we no, do. That's, Thanks. Good, good all night, right. everyone. Uh, I like the new format. Good. So that's that's one in a row. Yep. Uh, and it's obvious you've been working hard. Well, one of us has. Uh, I'll, I'll catch up eventually. <laughs> I actually had to shut off the foreign guys in the electronics slash DVD slash whatever that was store <laughs> sketch because I was laughing out loud at work. So oh, thanks for that. Oh, thank God. He continues, at any rate, way to stick it to that guy who wanted the more bits. Well, that's why I make that show called More Bits. Yeah. Matt was This, en this entire thing is based around showing that guy showing that guy what's what. Pretty much everything I do is out of spite. That is, uh, that is my life's work. That's the spirit. He continues, quick question. What's the deal with bologna? What's it even made out of? Why does it smell so weird? And why can't I ever wash the smell out of my fingers when I make sandwiches for my kids? Why would they even like bologna sandwiches? And on a related note, I'd like to hear more Matt Facts, please. Any chance of some sort of Matt Facts segment or sketch or something? Take care, guys, and get back to work. Mike. Well, bologna was first invented by pilgrims back in 1473. Um, it's a type of moose bat that's, o that's only found in the uh, you know subarctic regions of the upper and lower parts of North America. Uh, it is prized for its scent, which is which can be used to lure skunks, and also it sometimes is found in night. So that should answer 
both of your questions. So yeah, we should work on doing a MatFacts segment. That should be a lot of fun. I think so. I mean, the problem is we don't have much time anymore because everything's moving really quick. Yep. And when you give a little report like that, it's great, but we just don't have time for the Matt facts. No. Which is unfortunate. We'll, we'll keep trying. We and will. you keep writing letters, if not to us, then to someone. No, 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 no. If you write letters to someone else that say you guys keep getting funnier, I'm going to be very sad. You just you, you keep yeah, those coming to us. Write, write to other people to tell them that we keep getting funnier. Or write to other people to tell them you're just not as funny as, as Matt now. Oh, God, that's even better. Do that. Yes. And once again, spite rules. Yes. If you would like to send us a letter, the email address is sarcasticvoyage at gmail.com. Super, super easy to remember unless you've suffered serious head trauma, in which case you probably don't think we're funny and we don't want you to listen anyway. No, and get to a hospital, for God's sakes. Yeah, have that looked at. That's, you're uh, bleeding from the ear. I can see your brain. That's not good. We now have bonus content on SarcasticVoyage.com. If you are part of the Sarcasteers and you have a uh, decoder ring, we are making, I am making uh, wallpapers, like pretty images of uh, of images from our uh, serial, the radio adventures of, of Matt now. And there's some other goodies in there. Very soon, we will be offering uh, actual physical things, and we're going to be offering a deluxe prize pack. Ooh. With new stuff in there. Uh, a membership kit, I should say. Uh, and you can also upgrade. If you've already got the, the badge and the ring, we will offer uh, a small fee and you can upgrade to this cool stuff. And it is cool stuff. All right, Matt, it is time to end the show. Not like we end the other show, but the way we end this show, which is by saying safe journeys. Safe journeys, folks. This episode of the Sarcastic Voyage podcast starred Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham with Michelle Baradwaj, Duncan Bosco, Mark Bosco, Dave Fields, Kimberly Lajeunesse, Brian Lynch, the Reverend Joseph Jetstream, Keenly Ravenclaw III, Esquire, Patent Pending, Copyright 1962, Amanda Smith, and Sabrina Snyder. It was written by Ron Algar-Watt. It was produced by Algar Productions, Copyright 2013.